Hey, I'm Kristen. And I'm Mike. And this is The The Business Family. Family. You're listening to episode 10 of The Business Family. On today's episode, we're talking with Karis and Kevin LaForge of LaForge Family Vineyard. These two who are in the throes of turning a profit had so many good things to say that we actually talked to them for over two hours. So here is part one of their episode where we hear all about how it began in Iraq, the significance wine holds for their family, and how to navigate all that bureaucratic red tape with grace and poise. And you better believe that we all had a glass of wine in our hands the entire time. So let's jump right in. So we are here at the LaForge Family Vineyard. It is in Warrenville, just outside of Chicago. We're here with Karis and Kevin, who are the LaForges, (laughs) which is so exciting. We're actually drinking their wine. Look at from, that. From the vines <laughs> that are like four rows down. Yeah, uh, no, two, from one road, one row over. One, yep. one row over. Yep. Yeah, sorry. I love it. So this is this is the wine that we're drinking, the Frontenac, and this is a retired barrel. If you're watching, if you're not, you should go on our YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> and Kevin said something that if you're drinking the wait, what, what's the phrase? Oh, so um, this is a. Um, of what something I read in the book that kind of inspired this whole crazy idea um, called From Vines to Wines by Jeff Cox. Uh, and it's like on page two. Uh, and it's a, it's an old adage in the wine industry that uh, wine tastes best when it is uh, when it is consumed uh, in the region in which it was grown. And so basically the closer you are um, to where the grapes were grown, the better the wine will taste. Um and uh, I, I've found that adage to be true. In here, that, here, here, here. Um, you know, we're literally sitting <laughs> sitting on the ground mm-hmm. next to the vines that produced this wine. And I love it's, it. there's just something I really like about that. I mean, I'm Kevin's not, secretly a romantic. I am, yeah. I mean, don't tell anyone. You can't, can't let that get out. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, give us a little bit of a timeline of you guys meeting. Kevin, I heard through the grapevine that you have been doing wine for a long time which i didn't know i thought you guys kind of came up with this this idea recently so give us a timeline of family kids grapevines all that kind of stuff well should i should i start at the the long history here Go you want to start with the army oh, or I start go, with I can go way us back. and then go back to the army uh, we can start with the army okay <laughs> <laughs> um so uh when i was 18 i signed up and uh, joined the united states army back in 2003 um and then i was deployed to iraq and while you're in iraq when you're not getting shot at or blown up um it is boring very boring um and so one of my uh, uh platoon platoon mates comes up to me one day he's like hey i think i'm gonna I'm gonna make wine and i'm like <laughs> um okay he's like you want to help i'm like yeah i'm in iraq in iraq yeah and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm bored. <laughs> so uh, you're not allowed to have alcohol when you're deployed because they don't like people running around drunk with automatic weapons. Uh, not that that stopped any of us from receiving alcohol in care packages. I didn't drink, though. Like, people, like, had some, and, and I didn't drink when I was in the Army. I, I had my first beer um, when I was 18, actually. So I guess I did drink once underage, and my sergeant, uh, Sergeant Sheeler, <laughs> otherwise known as Dirty Rice Sausage, um, <laughs> That he, is a whole other story. He ordered me to drink a beer before we deployed to Iraq. He ordered it. Yes, that's what he said. And, it could, and I'm like, all right. So I think he's out now. So he's not going to get in trouble for this if anybody listens. Uh, um, <laughs> we definitely have the government listening to our I'm podcast. S- I'm so sorry, Sergeant Sheeler. Um, so uh, so yeah, I had uh, I had so yeah, I didn't drink, but. I was just bored, and I'm like, this sounds interesting. And so I learned about the process and. Um, uh, Sergeant Courier, Brian Courier is his name. Um, he's the the guy who uh, procured the um, 
the fruit product. He was, uh, we called him the master filter for his ability to acquire things. Um, and huh. so he had figured out when the food trucks would arrive, if they didn't get like attacked and then turned back, he'd be there and he always volunteered for food duty. Um, hmm. and so he'd help unload. And so we'd always get first pick of stuff and he'd bring us stuff all the time. So he got all these grapes, um, and a few other fruits with it too. And so we just mashed them up and added sugar and he had some family send him some yeast from home, oh put the yeast in there. And then we started around and that was the, the start of it. We called it, um, called it Brian brew, um, after his first name. Um, but he, unfortunately he was, um, injured in a, in a car bomb attack and got sent home. Wow. Um, and so, uh, he didn't actually get to finish it. So I finished that batch and we, uh, served it to the whole platoon and, uh, it was a, it was a big hit. Um, <laughs> did it taste good? I thought it tasted pretty good. Everyone really liked the alcohol. We left the sugar content pretty high. There I didn't go. know what I was doing. I didn't let the yeast settle out. And so there was probably a little bit too much sugar in there. And so about, uh, a third of the platoon had <laughs> bad diarrhea the next day because <laughs> they were also eating like the fermented fruit too and so that's like you know really high in yeast and so some people didn't uh their digestive tracts did not handle that well <laughs> um so uh so yeah so that was kind of that's that's long way you almost then. single-handedly took out your own platoon right yeah there is um <laughs> oh, so uh so yeah, then I did one more batch while I was deployed in Iraq, and then when I got back to the States, I just kept doing it as a hobby. Um, That's so fun. And so to include the first apartment I lived in when I went to Illinois State University, uh, you might be familiar with this school. <laughs> um, I'm going to adjust that a little bit. Um, and uh, the first apartment I lived in was like me and three other guys, and we lived in a uh, two-bedroom apartment um, with four of us. Uh, so the rent was really cheap. And, uh, but yeah, I just started making wine there. The first batch I made, I capped it before the fermentation had finished and it blew up in the, <laughs> it blew up in the kitchen. <laughs> yep. Um, and, uh, then, yeah, when I moved in with, uh, uh Barney, Franz and Christopher Pond and at the time, uh, Barney's twin brother, we, um, started making wine there and it was mail, the, the apartment was called the mailbox and M-A-L-E. M-A-L-E. And so we, uh, I continued to make wine there. Um, and that was when, um, shortly, um, so <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think, how, how did we meet, dear? Um, well, Wait, we I, met at... I have other hobbies. <laughs> so one of our other hobbies is rock climbing. And Kevin and I actually met at the climbing gym through uh, Kevin's friend and roommate, Barney. Um, it was my first time at a climbing gym, so I was just getting into it. Um, Kevin and I basically, like, for the next two years we basically like sort of hung out in the same friend group um we didn't really get to know each other super well until i want to say it was like yeah it was it was a couple years after we met yeah. or a year and a half or so um and then at one point we just started spending more time together and getting to know each other and um started dating um and we dated for like a year got engaged and we're married um nine months later something like that um, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, dated so. for a year and then got, we had a, a nine month engagement, far too long, far <laughs> too long. Engagement should be shorter. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah. And I just continued the, the winemaking hobby. Um, yeah, so that was something marriage. we would do. He'd have, um, he'd, he'd have people over to taste the wine, um, and, uh, you know, kind of give him opinions on 
you know how yeah, these to, are these are we were we at the mailbox and were incredibly incredibly cultured this is something that <laughs> that you missed in coming in a little later we had um not only did we have beer tastings for when Barney would complete a batch of beer. We'd bring people over and do wine tastings as we bottled because I'd do a back sweetening deal or, or I'd do final additives to the wine and then just pass it around the room and everyone would get to try it and we'd settle on what we liked the best and that's what would go in the bottle. Cool. Um, and we also had parlor recitals with classical music and, and all kinds of things that were that were very um, <laughs> fancy cheeses. Uh, it the was just, is a... just the cusp. <laughs> yeah. It was just yeah. too young. And then we got <laughs> Alec, you, you know, you Alec and Chris. Just <laughs> the opposite yeah. of culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, just to tell you, just to give you an idea of how cultured and classy Kevin is, he helped me move um, at the end of my sophomore year. He helped me move from my dorm room into my apartment. So he pulls up, and we didn't we didn't know each other super well yet at that point. That was kind of when, like, after that point, we started hanging out more. But he pulls up in his Jeep, and he's listening to Bach. And so my my Nerd. my eyes and my kidding. brain Bach, were trying to make Bach sense of what I was seeing. Wrong. <laughs> I guess that's awesome. That's so yeah, that is awesome. So fast forward to today, you guys have two kids. Mm-hmm. You have this house that you bought in 2016, and tell us a little bit about the house and even making the decision to buy this property. Because I'm assuming sure. that grapes had something to do with it, right? Oh, yes. How did you make that? So, <laughs> so we, um, after we got married, we moved to Naperville. Um, and that's where we were living when... Um, you guys were done with school at this point, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you guys were in working careers? Yeah. So Kevin was working for... Um, I was working for uh, Liberty Mutual Insurance as a uh, claims adjuster. Got mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. So this is a, yeah. a... And at the time, I was also working for another insurance company doing auto claims. So we would come home from work and complain about <laughs> our, our cases so or complain about our jobs. No, it was, and they were, it was, it was good for a time. It's just a field that you just get burned out really yeah. quickly in. So, I mean, it paid the bills, um, paid off my student loans. So very thankful for that. Um, but I think, yeah, there, there, there comes a point when it's time to walk yeah, away. I mean, I don't want to like, knock and be like, oh, adjusting claims is the worst thing ever. No, or it's not, like but that. it's just, but, it's, it's just high stress. Okay. So yeah, it's, um, it's certainly something that I felt I was, I was pretty yeah. good at. And I started handling the, the big cases. Yeah. I was doing like, um, uh, like severe injuries and mm-hmm. lawsuits. Mm-hmm. I was spending a lot of time at mediations and yeah. Uh, court, but at the same time court. we were, we were doing, um, we were just making occasional batches of wine, just, Mm-hmm. as a hobby and we do stuff for people's weddings mm-hmm. uh, so we have a few friends that get married and then uh when barney and uh, barney and kate got married um we actually made the made the wine that was served at their wedding mm-hmm. um and so and that was, yeah so that was before of, that was all like we were still living at the house that we had bought in naperville so it was a tiny starter home like 900 square, 900 feet. square feet which which is fine yeah. for two people and then elias was born and it was still okay <laughs> But um, we had a few vines in our backyard that Kevin had picked up from the hardware store. Just, he, you know, we had no idea what we were I was, doing. I didn't know what I was doing, but, but I was like, I'm like oh, I should, I make wine. I should grow grapes. Yeah. And so yeah. I just put these, uh, these Concord vines in the back. Although the labels had said that they were, I bought two Niagara and two Concord. Turns out they were all Concord because Home Depot doesn't know what their grapes are. <laughs> but So, yeah, so we were um, playing around with those. Not Nothing really came of it except for trying to learn how to keep vines alive um, I, in the Midwest. I the bunnies so, kept eating them. Yeah, so anyway, um, we were, we were kind of keeping the idea of um, 
of buying our forever home kind of in the, in the back of our minds. Um, and we went on we went on a trip to Arizona, and while we were there, Kevin started reading. Um, yeah, I started reading from Vines to Wines. That was the book I referred yeah, earlier by, by Jeff uh, Cox. By Jeff Cox, and I, I like said I read that quote that said like wine tastes best in the region in which it has grown. I was just like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> um, and then throughout his book, he starts talking about how not good wine can be grown not only in you know California and the south of France and hmm. and all the places that you generally think that wine comes from. Um, but that you can also find different grape varieties that will grow in just about any climate. Even as professional photographers and videographers, we found ourselves using our cell phones to capture a lot of our on-the-go content for both our family and our business. That's why we purchased Moment Lenses. Moment makes a variety of lenses and photography gear for your mobile device that can elevate your cell phone camera to a more professional quality. If you're interested in learning how Moment Lenses can up your cell phone game, check out thebusinessfam.com slash moment and get 10% off any of your purchase. Um, and I was like, oh, is that, is that so? And so I, I started looking, looking that up and, and reading all about it. Um, and that's when I told Karis, I'm like, you know, I think when we, you know, when we move, I'd like to get you know, I'd like to stay close to my, my parents and, and stay in DuPage County because um, I, I grew up here. I grew up in Warrenville. Um, and even though when I was 18 and I left for the Army, I told my mom, I'm like, I'm going to the other side of the world. I'm never coming back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least not, not to you Warrenville. know everything when you're 18. Because um, I knew everything when I was 18, like all good 18-year-olds. Um, and uh, now that I'm older and more mature, I was like, you know, it's actually a really great place to live. Hmm. Um, and so um, I was like, okay, so I'd like to you know, like find an acre of land and, and plant a vineyard and, you know, maybe sell some wine and, and cares. So he, he tells me that and I look at him and I kind of laugh a little bit and I say, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see she's super supportive going, going well, into Well, it's not this. that I didn't like the idea. I just, I just couldn't see how it was feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, so in our relation, so in, in any given relationship, oftentimes there's the dreamer, the optimist and the realist i like to see i like to think of myself as a realist kevin would say i'm a pessimist so usually kevin is like the dreamer kind of head in the clouds a little bit um but then also makes crazy things happen sure absolutely like he's he uh he's a self-starter and um and maybe and maybe my um skepticism like spurred him on and made him more determined i don't know (laughs) i don't do things despite you even though it it may seem like it um, no, so. but I think that can, I don't know, depending on your personality, yeah, that sure. could be something like, oh, you don't think I can do it? Let's yeah. see if I can do it. That's you Kristen know? for so. sure. So, um, she's like, oh, you yeah, said I, I can't that. do that? Yeah. Um, screw you. <laughs> I will do that. I can't do anything I want. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, then after mentioning this, like about, what was it? Um, yeah, I guess it would have only been about four months later, this property came up for sale where we're, we're wow. currently sitting. So, of course, everyone already, you, you've cheated, the spoiler, we, 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 you know how it ended, but it, this was up for sale. <laughs> Story it, over. it was out of a price range when I first saw it, and I was like, ah, okay, no big deal. And then the it just wasn't selling, and the price dropped, and so we came, and my brother was actually out looking at a house, and I was like, well, you know, how about we'll go, we'll go look too. Um and, you know, while you're out, while you have the realtor with you, how about we just go check this one out? So we came and checked it out, and Kara said she's always wanted an old house with character. 
And, uh, <laughs> and I, so she fell in love with the house and I fell in love with the land. And next thing you know, we... Yeah, and it actually Talking about contract. Yeah, wow. it worked out awesome. actually. And I I was honestly like shocked the whole time, but I think the house um so it's an older house and it needs some work. Um Nin- we're doing some work on it. 1912 is not just older. It's wow. it's, a, it's an old house, yeah. yes. And there's been a lot of interesting work done to it. Um and uh so basically we were going into it knowing that um that we were buying a little bit of a fixer and a, a, um we'd be putting in our bit. own <laughs> <laughs> So um, Mike and Kristen have but, been through it right now. Yeah. They know what's going on. <laughs> I mean it okay. It looks like a little bit of a fixer. It's more than a little bit. Sure. Um as we have discovered. Um and so the that actually so the house actually brought down the value of the land or depreciated the value if, oh my um, of if the land. If there was no house so, on, the, on the property, the property would have probably right. sold we for more. We wouldn't have been able to afford wow. it. So, <laughs> so I mean, it, it so seemed funny. to me like divine providence. Like, That's here, crazy. Here is the land you are looking for. <laughs> like, I will take you to the land of your peoples. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, so... so at, at that point, um, once we had the property, I just started doing the research in earnest uh, about what we were going to do. How many hours of research do you think you put in? Um, that's a hard lot. to say. I Probably the first year, 80 to 100. Um, and that was in different, mostly just in different grapevines and varieties and mm-hmm. trellising systems. Um, everything, everything that you see out here right now is a result of some form of research in, yeah. in another. Yeah. Everything from that's the spacing. That's why there actually are vines here, because if we just bought, you know, um, reason, well, we did buy a couple of Riesling. <laughs> that didn't work story. out well. But, um, but yeah, the, what, what Kevin found was we needed cold climate hybrids, um, yeah. So uh, you can yeah. So so, but everything you see from the post, the type of post, the angle of the post, the spacing of the vines, the type mm. of wire, the posts that they're staked to, what they're staked, what they're tied off to the posts with, um, everything that they've been treated with, the way that they've been pruned, everything was all new to me because I was I had only been a winemaker up to that point. I'd never done viticulture. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't um, I didn't know. And so that was all research that went into it. Now, the book that we had read, uh, the From Vines to Wines, that was the edition that I was reading, had been published in 1999. Um, and so the, it didn't really mention Illinois, northern Illinois specifically, as a grape-growing region. Hmm. Um, and so that was kind of something where I was setting off on my own. Now, I had discovered um, Vidal Blanc and Saval Blanc through Linford Winery in, in Chicago because they actually buy some Saval and Realize Vidal. we should also mention we also had another baby oh, in yeah. this time. Yeah, it's true. After we, <laughs> after we um, bought the house. Um, so our kids are now, um, we have a son who is four and a daughter who's two. Cool. So just to give you a yeah. picture of, um, of our family too. And working full-time jobs, not at insurance companies? Well, so I, once I had Elias, um, once I had my first, I... She got, a, she got a promotion. Yes, I got a promotion to stay-at-home mom Hood. Love it. Um, <laughs> it's a good. It's a good job. Everyone um, should try it. And so, <laughs> yeah. So then, when when we kind of um, started on our plan for um, for the vineyard and winery, um, the the plan was, you know, this this was going to be our side hustle, and and so that's what it is. And so, um, Kevin still works a day job. He works for a company I work that for a software company called yeah. Enstech. So I left claims, and now I'm in. Uh, I'm a business analyst for the software company. Cool. So yeah. it's very very boring for most people when I talk about it. Um, 
But uh, usually when I talk to people, they're like, what do you do? Well, I'm, I'm a business analyst. I climb rocks and I make wine. And usually people are like, you climb rocks or you climb, you, you make wine. You, no one's like, oh, you're a business analyst. So <laughs> it's a, at the very yeah. least, it's a conversation piece. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a thing that we do that's really fun. The work that we do that's fun to talk about. So and yeah. it's very family oriented. The kids, you know, like hanging out in the in the vineyard with us and they help. Quotes. Um, well, I, although I, I, sometimes, uh, like Elias, he's um, he's getting to the age where he can actually be. He's actually useful, useful now, and so and one of the things about having a, a small business and in a family and having it literally the the winery is a 100 square foot room that's in our house. We call it our um, tiny winery. Our, our tiny winery. <laughs> and so, what do you mean by the winery? Is like you are a legitimate business, right? Mm-hmm. So that has a wine license. We're licensed yes. from the. And so that means so, you have to meet certain we got, requirements. We got our business license and liquor license about a year ago and opened up then. Um, so basically, this um, just the, the timeline is we moved here um, about three and a half years ago, started planting right away, just a few rows at a time every year. Um, and while a few. we were. Yeah. Four rows Three. first year, six rows next year, yeah. five the year after that. Um, and Utro so, has about 15 vines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, um, while we were um, trying to establish, you know, establishing our vines and everything, we were also getting started on all the red tape um, in the licensing process. Um, uh, forget that, though. I want to finish the thought I had yeah, with about, absolutely. like, uh, kids and stuff that there's a lot of thought, like, okay, well, um, with when I was a little kid, daddy went to work Mm. and for all I knew he pulled money off the money tree Mm -hmm. and came home and then we got to go shopping and buy things and there really wasn't a connection between Mm. work you know hard work and money which is which is real life that is that's it you work hard you see it you see it now because we see how hard he works now but as as a kid I think it's harder to It's hard to make that process. But so we'll have this opportunity because the winery is literally in the house that Elias and and Callie, our our daughter, um, they're going to be able to see that, okay, to make money, what we do is in the spring, we go out and we work and we, and late winter, we're pruning and getting everything ready in the spring. We're managing things. We're, we're protecting the vines and then we're protecting the fruit into the summer and we're watching it as it ripens. And then we're doing more work out there we're mowing and pulling weeds yeah and then at the fall you know we still haven't gotten money yet we're still working but we haven't gotten money yet and then (laughs) the the fall we're harvesting and crushing and we're bringing the grapes in and then we're doing the fermenting and managing it in there and then at the end of all that work you know nearly a year later we're going to take this bottle and then we're going to give it to somebody and then they're going to give us money um Hmm. and see like okay so there's there's a very visual component for the kids that they get to see you know, hard work equals money. It's not just me telling them that and going away and doing that somewhere and coming back. They actually have the opportunity to grow up where that's something that's happening in the house. And I think that's something that um, when I was thinking of this idea that came to my head, that came to my mind, that I wanted them, my kids to be able to see that um, and and live that experience where hard work equals money and not just money grows on the magic money tree that daddy goes and picks from. You know? <laughs> Yeah, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so then as far as like the the logistical side um, with uh, me being a stay-at-home mom and Kevin working full-time, um, the other piece to figure out was um, how do we how do we make this... Oh, thank you. Um, how do we make this um, business 
work mm-hmm. um, when we wine? can't have kind of the standard model. Like if, if you go to a winery, usually they have a tasting room and mm-hmm. you can go in at, at any of, you know, and they have set hours and everything. We couldn't do that. Um, and so what we ended up um, doing is um, so on our website, um, it says that we're available Monday through Saturday by appointment. Okay. Um, and that gives me the flexibility to um, to schedule things kind of around uh, my schedule with the kids. Yeah. So um, so basically uh, people can go online, place their order and arrange a time to come by and pick it up. We can't do tastings since we don't have the licensing for that. And I was a little bit um, nervous that that would deter people. But yep. I think in the town that we live in, um, it actually works out really well because it's a very, it, it's almost like a small town feel and a very tight knit community. And I think people were just really excited to have a local winery. Cool. So, so yeah, so that's, that's basically how we operate. Hmm. And, um, it, it's a little challenging to kind of, and if I can break in it, it's not yeah, just the licensing aspect as to why we can't, can't do tastings. And mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with the limited production and and limited overall what would be foot traffic yeah um and then also you know just for the neighbor's sake imagine like we are in, we're in a zone resi- <laughs> we're in a zone residential area we had to get a special use permit from the city we had okay. to file and go through that entire process mm-hmm. to get that um and um but imagine if you're like trying to tell your neighbors while you're getting this permit like hey we're gonna open a bar i don't you know yeah. like to if get we that past city council that, we'd, we'd yeah have move it out of the home yeah but like absolutely. with the limited production and we have if with limited people coming by if one person comes by and we open four bottles of wine to do a tasting and then they're like oh that's great and they pay us five bucks for the tasting and they buy two bottles of wine let's just say you know fifteen dollars each um, so that's great. We made $35. We just gave away seven bottles of wine for $35. That's $5 each. Right. Mm-hmm. That's really tough to turn a profit on. And so that yeah. was the other, like, and then we got to, we're going to have to dump them out. It's not like they're going to keep, um, more than a day or two if it's a dry mm-hmm. red. I mean, with the sweet or whites and that kind of thing, you can keep them for up to a week, but, um, right. they go bad. They go bad. So it's, yeah. so even just from a business standpoint, um, mm-hmm. being as small as we are with the production, as small as we have. It just didn't really make much mm-hmm. logistical sense for us to go into a tasting a tasting room model, uh, especially at this point where we're at in the business. Yeah. yeah. So talk to me a little bit. I mean, the red tape, obviously, is, it's a big deal, because especially for small business. There's so much to go through, um, and especially for something like the food and wine industry. That's I mean, it's just <laughs> crazy. And so can you talk to me? I mean, were you guys literally like reading city ordinances and manuals, <laughs> so, or did you have a somebody who was like, hey, I've done this before? This was, um, so now I, I talked about research. Uh, the first two years of doing this was all research on grapes and spacing and, and you know, different things I need to do to, to make good wine out of the grapes. And then the third year was we were getting ready, ready to get open was all, was probably about 100 to 120 hours of research on red tape only. It was exceptionally frustrating mm. <laughs> um, because you're thinking like, I just want to do what I've been doing for almost 15 years now. I've just been making wine, giving it to people. That's what I've been doing. You know, like why suddenly if I want to get money from these people, do I have to go through these steps? Like, you know, nobody's ever gotten sick other than, you know, the people get diarrhea from that first batch in Iraq. But we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> um, so it's like, what's the, um, you know, uh, what's the deal with it? So there was that aspect of it was like, I can't believe I have to do this. But sure. I, was, I was determined with it. And uh, it helped that I had a little bit of, uh, I'm, I'm, 
I always caveat when I'm on a podcast. I am not a lawyer. I cannot give you legal advice. Um, but <laughs> lay people can read the law and interpret the law. Um, it's not something that you absolutely need to pay somebody $300 an hour to do for you. Hmm. Um, and if you have troubles with it, you can always call or just have another friend or somebody look at it and be like, do you, does this mean what you think, what I think it means? And most laws are plain English. Um, you just have to know how to find your way around it. And I'd kind of learned and that. And put the work in. And put, and put the work in. Um, but I'd kind of learned how to do some of that when I was handling claims. Um, a lot of uh, liability claims are handled through the tort system. And so I was quite familiar with tort law and how, how that works and other law follows a similar pattern as far hmm. as, okay, you're going to read this and then it's, you're going to be a bunch of words and terms in there that are defined and you got to go to the definition section, read and de- determine and make sure that you fit in that definition. And that regulation applies to you if you fit in that definition. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was the, uh, the kind of the, the thought process behind it. Um, but I researched and I determined that we would need for the winery, we would need to be registered and permitted through the TTB, which is the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau. And that we'd also need to be registered um, with the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. Um, And then uh, we would need to uh, be cleared and have a license through the ILCC, which is the Illinois Liquor Control Commission. Um, That was a potential (laughs) that we need to be checked out by the DuPage County Health Department. Uh, And then lastly, we would need to have the city of Warrenville approval. So I was basically looking at, when I first started this research, I was looking at potentially having to deal with five layers of bureaucracy. Um, And that's because alcohol is a fairly highly regulated industry, anything alcohol related. Now, uh, food is pretty highly regulated. There's a lot of uh, other things that are, that are regulated. Um, And uh, it was something that I just kind of handled one step at a time. And I just started doing a lot of research on that. And one of the things I found was there's this forum, uh, winemakingtalk.com, where there's these guys that told their stories from going going from hobby to commercial. And they just wrote hmm. their stories out there. And I just got in touch with them. And, and they're in different states. There's nobody who's done that in this area um, that I was able to get in touch with other than, um, I believe his name is uh, Mike down at Fox Valley Winery, who I talked with him for a little bit. Um, and, uh, and I just started to kind of figure it out and uh, realized the order that I needed to go in. So I had to go TTB first. And then um, uh, once the TTB was taken care of, I needed to work with the, start working with the city and then the ILCC at the same time. Um, and then because we have home rule in Warrenville, uh, the city supersedes the county. And so it, and I wouldn't need a county health inspection unless the city required me to get one. Hmm. And fortunately, the city didn't require me to get one. Um, cause I was already inspected by, I already had to get an inspection from the Illinois Liquor Control Commission. Um, so, and that was, uh, each and every single one of those along the way, the frustrating aspect of getting in touch with each was, was getting in touch with somebody who could actually help you. And I found that, um, <laughs> once you had filed your application and gotten your, your paperwork to them, even if it wasn't in order, once you did that then they, they kind of knew you were serious and you weren't just kind of throwing things out there. Interesting. And then once you got in touch with someone, they're super helpful. Like everybody at the TTB that I talked to was incredibly helpful. It was just getting to that point was really frustrating. But hmm. then once I had my case number and I was I was rolling down the line, I'd be like, okay, what do I need? And the guy's like, okay, I need this from you and this from you. And then you're good to go. And I'm like, okay, this isn't, this isn't a joke. Like if I just get you these two things, then I'm good to go. And, and he's like, yes. And I did it. And then 24 hours later, it was turned around wow. and I had the permit, hmm. but it was to get to yeah, that point. It felt like real breakthroughs. Well, there's like a big yeah, breakthrough. I like I was like, we have a permit. Uh, but <laughs> like to get to that point was three months of research and three months of, of 
of trying to of submitting things and trying to get things in. Um, the ILCC was the Illinois Liquor Control Commission was by far the most frustrating um, <laughs> because uh, Illinois is a basket case, um, governmentally speaking, and uh, they even though they have a website online, mytax.il.gov, you can't submit new applications on there. You can only submit renewal applications. New applications have to be submitted by paper. And so you ha I had to mail a paper packet of all my stuff to Springfield to have them mail it back to me and say, you forgot this one thing on line, page one, line one. No. And then I was like, oh, okay. So I fixed that. And then I sent it back to them. Right. And, and you think they, they would it. go through it all and say, oh, you're missing the this list of, like, here's a list of the things that you missed. Yeah. And but then they just sent it back to me again. It's like, here's this thing on page two you missed. I was oh my like, gosh. are you are you kidding me? I'm, I'm spending five dollars on posters each time to send you to send you this wow. stu this this stupid packet, and you can't just go through the whole thing. And so then at that point, I I picked up the phone and and like called and they're like, you need to talk to this person. Oh, she's on vacation. She's not going to be back for, you know, like I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I call again, leave a message for her, and call again. like. And at this point, I was like, it's this is just discipline. I called every day for a week, and then until she uh, called me back and and was like, hey, I got your thing, you know, and I was like. Okay, what do I need? I'm I I don't I'm tired of playing mail telephone here. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> to the tune of five dollars a pop. And so she told me like this is what I'm going to look for. I'm like great. I'm going to send you those things. And so I sent it, and then she went through it, got on the phone with her, and it was that was it. Once I got in touch with someone, super helpful, got what I needed, and got it done. But it was it was getting to that point mm, that sure. was incredibly frustrating. Um, and then the last process was with the city, and the city is the city. Um, the thing that I did before I even started this is I went through and I did my research on the city. Um, since I grew up here, I kind of have a feel for kind of what the people in town are looking for, but I really didn't know what it was look like what it was like to deal with local government. Um, now, Warrenville is different than like if you try to go through Cook County, anything in Cook County. If uh, you're familiar with Cook County, I'm sure mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you. Uh, I've just just from the stories I've heard, you have to to line the pockets of people, and and it gets it can get really messy, wow. uh, in the city. Now, Warrenville is doesn't have that. We're a relatively small town, and so, um, I was able to go to the city hall and immediately meet with the gal who does the zoning, and talk to her about what would be expected and what would need to happen. And she was really helpful. And we were able to get that process started. Uh, it was an expensive process though, um, because. Essentially, it's, it's like, okay, you're applying to essentially make some changes in the law, so you need to pay for everything that goes into that. Hmm. Um, and so um, that was something that actually uh, was a little taxing on our wasp on your shoulder again. This guy, this guy really likes me. It's possible that, that he's <laughs> on his way out because he may have consumed something that uh, is harmful to him. Anyway, um, we have wasps that are trying to eat our grapes. <laughs> um, so, uh, with the city, like they were, the, the process was long and yeah, I know you helped with, cause you got the sign, um, together that we had to do. Yeah, had we to had send to send out a bunch of certified mail to all of our neighbors. That was expensive. 
Yeah. And then we had to put out a sign and basically do a public hearing where yep. neighbors, people in they town could, could come out and be like, Detest. You're, you're trying to open a bar? Right. <laughs> Which is the, Nobody uh, did that. Everyone was great. Yeah, everyone everyone <laughs> was great. And we worked out everything with our neighbors, too. Because, again, being zoned residential, yeah. um, we basically had to be like, look, it's still going to be a residential area. This isn't, look, you know. You we're guys not get trying a to case change our neighborhood yeah. or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing. Is most neighbors are like, we're like, yes, please. Because we're like, you can. You can taste the wine, you know, whenever you want. <laughs> like, and that was that was that most was people enough. were just really, really excited about having totally. having a winery. Um, speaking of tasting the wine, um, <laughs> so we're drinking our Frontenac right now, um, which is a uh, we'll go into more on the grapes later. But um, so that was a uh, an interesting deal. What that was for us that was a bit of a surprise is I had kind of budgeted about two thousand dollars for red tape. That type of expenses. <laughs> okay, it ended up costing about forty eight hundred. Um, so the moral did, of the story we did not, is we did not hire a lawyer. <laughs> um, we did not hire an accountant or a tax professional wow. or any kind of consulting firm to help us with this. So just on yeah. our own, paying the bare minimum of expenses, it was about forty eight hundred dollars. Yeah. So it's going to cost two to three times. As much as you think it's going to, yeah. as you hope, so, as you so, hope, yeah. And, as you hope. and, the, and I and I as gotta say this: the, the thing is, at the end of the day, after going through all these layers of regulations and really discovering what they are and what they do for for the public, not a single one of them makes the product safer. Not a one. It's a, <laughs> so like after going through it, I'm like, I'm now an anarchist. <laughs> like none of this needs to exist. Oh my gosh! Uh, with the exception of it's like the city part, I think was important, but like yeah. everything from above the city level, it didn't need to happen. Sure. Like it's it's all just so like great. Now we're gonna. Yes. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Is it okay if I kill something live on on podcast? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he needed to go. I kill wasps with my bare hands. That's how hardcore I am. <laughs> I hate wasps. When it comes so to the grapevines. <laughs> hopefully his friends won't come. Otherwise, I'll probably get stung in the hand. Probably. <laughs> um, so I, this is super helpful. Man. I want to talk a little bit about money. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. So, sure. I so, would love to hear. So you're telling me, you know, budgeted $2,000, ended up costing 4800 I mean, what was your expectation? Were you like, wanting to profit off of this eventually were you like nah this is like a, a, a side hustle i heard you say mm -hmm. you know if we break even woohoo you know i'd rather just like bless people with this wine or are you like no we have a plan to make money so uh our our plan right now is uh this is a side hustle but we are working towards making a profit basically it's a little extra income. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I mean, we, we would, we would love for it to continue growing and everything, but at this point it's, um, we like, I like the, the security of Kevin's job. Yeah. He likes his job. Um, and it's working right now for him to do his day job and for us to do this. Um, and so if this is all it ends up being, I'm happy and fulfilled with what? it. You hot? Oh yeah, man. We have, we have a, a chilled wine. You guys wine are kind of bring in the sun, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. we need that uh, chilled wine <laughs> some, to drink some to keep us cool. Can we grab it? Should we pause? Um, we can pause. Although, uh, while we're on the subject, before we, I'll talk about a little bit about the money. Um, so we've we've cash flowed everything. Um, so one of the okay. things when we got into this is can you is, explain what that means? Just so that for means people who yeah. don't know, no no debt, and also we did not get an equity stake from anybody either. 
So mm -hmm. we are 100% owners. We didn't sell off shares of stock um, or have any uh, investors and that kind of standpoint. So when when we got into this, Karis was, again, because she was skeptical of this, she's like, <laughs> we we do not borrow money so that this can happen. Well, this is, and um, this is something that we committed to after we paid off my student loans. That's the only debt I've ever been in outside of a mortgage. And as soon as we got them paid off, we, we said, okay, we're living debt-free from now on with the exception of our mortgage. And, and in any, um, you know, with, and, and this was no exception. So with this, we, hmm. we said, okay, if we, if we can cash flow it, if we can save up the money and if we can still meet our, our budget and our financial goals, Yes, let's do it. So, so, so we started yeah. when I when I left my left Liberty Mutual, they cashed out a pension um, that I had at the time, um, and that was a, it was basically about ten thousand dollars from the time that I'd been there. And then I said, okay, this money, this ten thousand dollars, I paid the tax penalty, um, which I know technically they're like, oh, you should have moved it around. And I was like, yeah. whatever, I just paid the tax penalty, um, and I said, okay, now this money is is the business budget. This is it, hmm. um, and. Uh, once we run out of money, that's it. <laughs> like, we need to make more money. Um, and uh, and so the first two rows I put in, I made so many mistakes when I was planting. But like we spent, <laughs> essentially it was about $2,000 a year. A little, and then it ended up being more for certain things. And then we also had to pay, I, I mentioned to you guys, we had to pay for some um, improvements to the land as far as bringing down some trees that needed to be brought down. Um, and... Uh, we uh, we would be planting more grapes now, but we ran out of cash. Um, so, but basically, we we do have a small loan. We call it in that we ended up having to bail the business out to finish the licensing process. But it was our own said, money, so we we money. loaned ourselves the so, money, so and right, so right basically, now the business, we only owe ourselves. Which so right sure. now the business owes us two thousand dollars. So, are you technically like you're not a sole proprietorship? We are a partnership. A partnership. Um, okay. So technically, it has the exact same liability as a sole proprietor. Got so it. a part of the overhead component for this business is we do have a uh, a GL policy, a general liability policy, and a liquor policy. Okay. Uh, liability policy is between. Um, I mean, I guess I don't want to say my limits on a public podcast in case somebody does decide to sue me. Um, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> we have a lot of insurance um, because we have infinite exposure at this point because of the way we're set up. We're not set up as an S-Corp or an LLC. Sure. Totally. Um, and in part, that was because of our, our really low capital um, startup, uh, our overall relatively low risk uh, model of, of doing business. Um, there's very little that can happen, um, even from a DRAM liability standpoint. Um, where we're looking at a massive lawsuit, right? Um, and I've settled a lot of massive lawsuits, so I'm I'm kind of familiar with what the liability landscape would look like. Um, so it would be a particularly uh, a huge injury with a particularly vindictive plaintiff that would um, try to take more than the limits of our insurance and hmm. essentially take our house from us. Hmm. Um, but that is something that was, that's in the back of my head. It, it, it is entirely possible that, that someone could conceivably sue us for some reason, uh, sue the business for some reason, and then we would be held personally liable. Sure. Um, so, but that's something that we have built into our, our risk model. And it's an, a, an acceptable level of risk that we have. So these are all things that in the research that I was doing that I was thinking like, okay, what level of risk are we willing to accept? And so that's, as far as personal risk, that's part of the reasons why we have the massive liability policy and as well as the no loan um, aspect of it is that no one's, no one's going to foreclose on the business and then put our personal mm -hmm. assets at, at risk. I mean, the only risk that we have is, you know, I lose my day job and 
we don't make enough money selling wine. And then that's just life risk. There's no difference between sure. that and, and mm-hmm. what the business brings on. So, totally. so have you actually, you had this $10,000. It's gone. It sounds like, right? It is gone. <laughs> it is spent on planting these grapes. And, uh, so and you're still working on flipping that, right? So you're still working yeah. on bringing. So, yes. So no, we are we are now, we, this is going to be our first yeah. year seeing a profit. Now, granted, it's not a lot, but it's, um, but we're. Yeah, we are we are in the black this year. In the black. Something yeah. is better than nothing. We are, yes. we are so thrilled to be in the black right oh my now. Gosh. I, have, I have no idea. I mean, I, like, it's hard to describe, but like, I mean. Yeah, we get paid like what a dollar an hour. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's small business but, life, especially when you're getting started. You're not, yes, you know, yeah. you're, you're especially if I like, try not to think about that when I put in like, <laughs> like so. So a couple weeks ago, we we released our black raspberry wine, um, and it sold out in a week. And so that whole week, I was arranging, you know, pickups. We had new orders coming in, um, doing work on the website. Does I do all the design and marketing, so I was doing all of that too. On top of everything, I think, and we had no childcare that week. Um, usually, my mother-in-law watches the kids um, one day a week, so I can work. Um, we didn't have that, and so I think I ended up working like forty or so hours with no childcare, which was insane. It's not sustainable. I don't recommend it. Mm-hmm. But um, but experiences like that are also helpful. This is probably not related to what we were just talking about. But no, go go for um, it. But I think I think this has been helpful for me to kind of gauge. Okay, what are my needs with this, and and what do I need to adjust um, next time? Because we've had you know busy releases mm-hmm. before, but this was the one where I was like, this was, you know, this is this just was a crazy. Lot. Like, so, so how many yeah. bottles were you selling? So we had. Um, about we had a hundred, a little over 140 bottles. So yeah. case wise, it's like yeah, we had a gross um, of cases, 12 cases. Yeah. Um, and I've like I expected it to move quick last year. It sold out in about in three, three weeks. weeks. Yeah. And so These I kind of all from the black raspberries. These are from the black raspberries. We have yeah. the property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And then the other product that we have out is uh, lemonade wine. Um, and so both of those also went on sale <laughs> at our local grocery store. They're sold out of the black raspberry too. So it was. Wow. Um, it was kind of nuts. And so huh. I, I decided, okay, next time we have a big release, I'm getting more childcare. Um, yeah, it's just lesson, so, lesson learned there. But now yes. that's so helpful yeah, to know. But now that we're in the black, it's something that like I can look into doing. And so, um, yeah, so it's been a real learning experience, like figuring out how to gauge what, what my needs are to be able to do my job effectively. And I know you, you guys have experience with this too, with yes. when your kids are running around, you really, it's really hard to get anything done. We've got our nanny here yeah. watching <laughs> our children because we were like, yeah, we could and, do this and, podcast and, with and our, sons, our son's in school and be, our daughter is playing. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's because mm-hmm. otherwise we'd have. Right. Jed would be watching a movie. <laughs> otherwise. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. It. Yeah. And somebody and would, would be crying, be, you know, grabbing cords. <laughs> okay. I mean, it would be fine, but yeah, totally. Um, um, you're. Glass seems empty, Mike. And it is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Let me remedy that. this problem. Hey, if you liked this or any of our other episodes, jump on your phone or your computer right now and let somebody know. We'd love if you tag us on social media and leave us a review on iTunes. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.